in your teenage years, there are a lot of things that you take for granted. Most of us think we're hot shit and can do whatever we want. Our parents are just there to hold us down and keep us from reaching our full potential. Whatever the hell that means. I remember having conversations like that when I was in middle school with my closest friends. I just knew that at 14 I could hold my own against anything. I was basically an adult in my mind, so why wouldn't I be able to? Well, my macho man act was put to the test in 2000 when my parents decided I was old enough to stay at home by myself while they went out on Halloween. I thought it was pretty strange to go out on that night, and to be honest, I wanted to go out myself, but in an effort to prove myself, I told them that trick-or-treating was for babies. They didn't go out often, but when they did, it was only for a few hours, and they'd often drop me off with my aunts or have her come over to our house, just so I could have dinner without trying to make it myself. I'd done it a handful of times, and knew how to make some basic meals like sloppy joes or hot dogs, but they still worried something would happen with the stove, and the house would catch fire, or I'd spill boiling hot hot dog water all over myself. When I was 14, I hated that overprotectiveness, but looking back, it was really sweet. The plan was for them to leave around 7pm to make it to their dinner reservations, after that, they were going to attend a late reshowing of a movie they saw on their first date at the drive-in that was still in business all these years later. Finally, they'd head to their honeymoon suite in the hotel nearby, and you can connect the dots. I should have been happy for them, but all I could think about was how gross it was that my parents shared the same bed. We said our goodbyes at 6.45, and as soon as I saw their car leave, I threw on my favorite Slipknot CD and headbanged and screamed all around the house. I was a simple man, what can I say? This went on for about 20 minutes before I thought I was going to pass out from flinging my head back and forth, and decided it was best to chill out on the couch and watch a scary movie or maybe play some PS2. My game of choice at the time was Time Splitters. I'd gotten it for my birthday and was nearly finished with it. With no one to bother me, I told myself that tonight would be the night to finally do it. I was deep in a concentration when I heard it. And at first it didn't register. It was a car door. When it finally clicked, I went into the kitchen to check the fat chef clock we had over the sink. It was about ten minutes after eight. My parents would just be starting their movie at this time. There'd be no reason for them to come back unless something happened. I was almost certain the house phone hadn't rang while I was playing PlayStation, but if it did and I'd missed it, they would have definitely come home. I went to the front door and cracked it open to peek outside. I expected to see both of them running up the driveway ready to either yell at me for not answering the phone or pull me into a hug because I was safe. This was Halloween, so it was already incredibly dark outside, and our street lights could only illuminate about a three-foot-wide circle directly underneath them, so I didn't see the black sedan parked just outside of its cone of light. That must have been the car door I heard, I thought. It was parked across the street outside, if I remember correctly, the Jameson's house. I didn't recognize the car as theirs, but... That guess was corroborated when the car drove off shortly after me looking over to it. I shut the door and made a mental note to keep a better ear out for the house phone in case my parents did call, and thought no more of it. Another 30 minutes went by, and I was finishing up on time splitters when the house phone rang once, and then stopped. Now I was really worried that I missed a call, so I snatched up the receiver to dial my mom's number, but there was no dial tone. It was completely silent. The line was just... dead. At that moment, something came over me. I still can't explain it to this day other than saying I felt like I was living in a horror movie. The line being dead, combined with the strange car I'd seen outside before, things were looking bad for me. I ran to each door, making sure that they were locked, and they were, but like the final girl in a Halloween movie, I made a huge mistake. Our front door had two thin, tall windows on either side. 
They were frosted glass, so you couldn't really see through them, but given the right circumstances, you could at least make out shapes. Porch light was still on, another mistake on my part, so as carefully as I could, I pulled back the curtain and peeked out. Out on the porch were two completely black figures, one a bit taller than the other, but both were nearing the top of the doorframe, which I remember was about seven feet. The one closest to me had a slim frame, but contrasting the black near his waist was something long, hanging about to his knee, and was bright yellow. I stumbled back when he lifted it and sent it directly into the door before yanking it back. Hearing the wood splinter is something I will never forget. It was like nothing I'd heard before, and at that moment, I was worried it'd be one of the last things I heard. Before the door was pried open, I hauled ass up the stairs into my parents' room and threw myself under the bed. Moments after the door downstairs hit the floor and two sets of heavy footsteps started sounding off, I heard one of them say, Trash the house. Make it look like we were searching for something. I'll head upstairs. I held my hand over my mouth to try and muffle my hyperventilating. The footfalls made their way up the stairs, and judging from how loud they were, I could tell that he was going to be coming in here first. The bedroom door swung open, the doorknob going clean through the wall as I saw black boots walking across the carpet. He stopped at my mom's vanity first, tossing jewelry boxes and makeup, muttering to himself. I couldn't make it all out, but I was certain I'd heard fucking bitch at one point. He threw some more things around before leaving and heading down the hall to my dad's office. That was when things really went off the rails. Downstairs, the bigger of the two men was throwing furniture, screaming and yelling about how it shouldn't have been us and how that son of a bitch will get his. The other man was yelling too, tipping over everything he could find. It went on for what felt like hours before it went quiet for a moment. thought it was all over, and that they'd leave soon, and I was partly right, but they were going to leave a party gift. The man who was upstairs yelled to his friend, be ready to leave, I'll be down in a second. Then I heard him take slow, methodical steps, but along with that, I heard something wet. The steps continued down the stairs and eventually back out of the house, but at that point it was too late. The smell of kerosene assaulted my nose. With one more yell from the group outside, the fire started making its way up the stairs. It was the hellish combination of the stank of kerosene, the heat from the flames slowly making their way up the stairs, and the sounds of the men laughing and screaming outside that sent me into a frenzy. I knew the stairs were a no-go as I had no other choice. I opened up the window in my parents' room that went to the backyard, closed my eyes, and jumped. When I woke up, I was in the hospital, my parents standing near me, speaking to the police. When they finally saw I was awake, my mom consoled me while Dad finished up with the police. I learned a while later that the two men who attacked the house and tried to burn it down were recently let go by my dad. He was pretty high on the ladder at his job, and apparently had to personally fire those two men for some reason I was told I was too young to understand. Now I know it was because they'd allegedly assaulted someone in the bathroom. The victim never came forward, but many employees reported hearing a struggle come from the bathroom. Coming forward would have put those men away, but given what they were willing to do just for being fired, it may have also saved her life. The two men were arrested on charges of arson, and since I was in the house at the time, they managed to make an attempted murder charge stick. If I remember correctly, they're still locked up, even after all this time, but if they're out, I hope I never see them again. I'll be honest. Living out in the middle of nowhere is everything you could imagine. I'm 65 years old, and I can confidently say that I've never been more at peace than I am now. 
This is coming from someone who was on the football team in high school, worked in HR later in life, and was even in a police dispatcher for some time. My point is that I used to love being and interacting with people. But when Melissa passed away three years ago, that went away. Didn't know how much good she brought out of me, but you never really know what you have till it's gone. We'd gotten together in high school, and we were quite a pair back then. I was the best wide receiver on the football team, and she was the best on the chess team. Seemed like a strange matchup, but it worked, and we just passed our 48-year anniversary. Once she was gone, I didn't bother with people anymore. For so long, she was the only one I'd wanted to talk to, so now that she wasn't here, I just didn't talk to anybody. There was the occasional thank you or excuse me if I was out grabbing groceries, but not much more than that. It was quiet here now, and I liked it. So when I started hearing something coming outside a week ago, I was a bit more than agitated. The sound was reminiscent of a cat scratching at an old piece of furniture or a scratching post. Methodical, repetitive. It was coming from outside, but was far enough away for me to ignore it for the first two nights. By the third night, it had become a total nuisance. It was louder now, even a little faster. For context, I do have a fence around my property. An electric one. I don't have any cattle or even a dog, but there are too many creatures in the woods who'd like to chow down on human jerky. I put it up for peace of mind more than anything. Occasionally I'd hear the yelp of a fox or some other small game, but I was lucky to never hear a bear or even coyote run into it. That's why the scratching had me so worried. Could have also been that Halloween was just around the corner. I was a lightweight when it came to scary things, and even if I found it was some dumb kids in masks messing about, I can't guarantee I wouldn't have screamed like a little girl. Armed with a flashlight and my rifle, I made my way outside in nothing but some drawers and a t-shirt and untied hiking boots. The sound took me over to the left side of my property. I shined my light over the fence line, and when I saw it, I panicked. I dropped the light, fired a shot, and fell on my ass all in the span of eight seconds. What I'd seen scared me nearly half to death, but what I'd heard after that stray bullet connected with it, well, that nearly put me straight in the grave. The best way I can describe it is like the scream of a cougar. The one everyone mistakes for a woman, but it was much more guttural. You know when someone has their throat cut in a movie and they start coughing, gasping for air, and it has that wet sound to it? That's exactly what I'd heard. I was hoping that meant I hit whatever it was pretty well, but I'd come to find out that was wishful thinking, because the following few nights, it came back. I'd say it started around 2 in the morning. The scratching sound returned, but now it was much more aggressive. After my encounter the night before, I decided it wasn't worth going out there and risking getting hurt or even killed. The sound subsided. After three hours, I was able to go back to sleep. That morning, I went out to check the fence post and was shocked to find it nearly destroyed. It looked like a log that a beaver had chewed on, but I knew for a fact it wasn't what I was dealing with. Beavers aren't hairless and so pale they reflect light with their skin. I took a mental note to fix it the next day because I was too stressed to deal with it right now. That night, however, I had no choice. The scratching returned around the same time as always, but now it was much closer and it wasn't scratching on my siding, it was scratching on my window. I pulled back my blinds slowly to try and see, but given my position all I could see were its bony fingers and talon-like nails. With each stroke it dug deeper into the glass and I knew what I had to do. For the past couple of days, I'd had the rifle next to my bed in case this thing made it into my house. Slowly, I rolled over to the rifle, picked it up, made sure it was loaded and ready. Moving faster than I had in over 40 years, I stood up on the bed and took a shot out the window. Glass fell on my pillows and sheets, and the gunshot left my ears ringing and me disoriented, so much so that I thought I was hallucinating the dark smoke coming into the window, but when I passed out, I knew it was real. 
It burned my throat like smoke, but smelled like rotten eggs and death. I came to when the sun was up, and the first thing I did was throw the rifle off of me and ran outside to see if that thing was dead or not. Finding that creature lying there in a pool of black blood would have been fine with me. I'd call someone out here to deal with it, but when I turned that corner and saw a trail of black goo leading back to the opening in the fence, I almost cried. What really sent me over the edge was the fact that I didn't just see prints in the grass leading to the woods, but there were noticeable drag marks as well. Something pulled that monstrosity back into the woods, and I can only guess that it was something related to it, or something even bigger than what had attacked me. I'm in the process of moving down to Florida now. My grandson and his wife live down there, and they found me a nice house not far from them that was up for sale, so I snatched it up before anyone else could. It's going to be a big change, sure, but I'm beginning to think it may be better to be around people than in the middle of nowhere. Because out there in the woods of Georgia, you never know what's hiding. I was 15 when I decided that I was too old to go trick-or-treating again. Well, that's only half true. That was the year I decided I couldn't go out on Halloween again, but it was only partly because I was turning 16 in November. The real reason is much more terrifying. The night before, my sister and I begged our parents to let us go out on our own for the first time. Keep in mind when I say alone, I mean they wouldn't be following close behind in their jeep. They stopped taking us door to door themselves when we first entered middle school, but they still wanted to keep an eye on us. Our argument this year was that we'd both be 16 soon, which was just two years from 18, so we were basically already adults. On top of that, we had cell phones, so getting in contact with them or the fire department or EMT or anyone we needed to wouldn't really be a problem. They agreed on one condition. We'd stay with each other the whole night and check in with them periodically, making sure to keep our phones loud enough for us to hear them ring if they needed something. We agreed and went to bed that night in gleeful anticipation, having no idea what we were getting ourselves into. Ignorance is truly bliss. My sister and I woke up at the crack of noon, not being able to get to sleep at a decent time last night as we spent hours talking about what houses were the best to go to and whether or not we should travel down to the neighborhood down the road. It was only half a mile or so, and the road was never really busy. That wasn't our concern. Our concern was being able to get back home in time for our parents not to freak out. <sighs> Looking back, it was really stupid to risk that walk just for the possibility of better candy, but we were 16 and stupid. Around 7, we told our parents goodbye and walked out of the door. I was dressed as Zelda and my sister was dressed as Link. It was a series we both adored and bonded over, so the matching costumes, while a little silly, were a lot of fun. We trotted around our neighborhood for around 30 minutes or so before we took a seat on the curb to look at what we'd gotten so far, and neither of us were impressed. A few Reese cups, mini Twix, and some Three Musketeers bars, some Tootsie Rolls, and my sister even managed to get an apple. It was shaping up to be a mediocre Halloween. We need to go down the road and trick-or-treat. That's where all the rich people live. They give out full candy bars. My sister was adamant, that was true. Though, since we didn't know any of the kids from that neighborhood, it was just rumors. But with a little more convincing, I agreed that it was at least worth a try. We'd been walking down the road for about five minutes before we both started having second thoughts. Like I said, this wasn't a very busy road, so there were no street lights on it. When, when it's 7.30 in October, good luck seeing anything with no light. We had our phone flashlights, but they only illuminated a few feet in front of us. And when we heard a branch crack in the woods on the other side of the road, it felt like they did even less. I can't explain it, really. Obviously, it didn't get darker, but when you're scared, your world tends to close in around you. We had tunnel vision. 
despite my sister putting on a brave face and saying, oh, it's probably a deer or something, I knew she was just as scared as I was. Call it twin intuition, but I knew that I would be able to convince her if I tried hard enough. Lacey, this is stupid. We should just go back. If we get back late, Mom and Dad are never going to let us out alone again. Another snap came from the woods, and our heads shot into that direction. A man dressed in a little more than rags and a Halloween mask stepped out of the woods. I squeezed Lacey's hand, and she squeezed mine back. We wanted to run, but fear is a cruel mistress, and she kept us rooted where we were. The man shuffled a little closer to us and into the cone of light provided by our phones. His mask looked cheap, dirty. It was the same material as other masks you see in retail stores or Halloween shops. That same material that smells really bad. Most of it was ripped and there were large chunks flailing about when he shuffled our way. As for what the monster or character was supposed to be, I can't tell you. It was nothing like I had ever seen in a movie or a TV show. It had deep black pits for the eyes, and the smile was filled with tall, yellow and black teeth, each corner reaching to the edge of his eyes. And then he spoke. His voice was muffled slightly by the mask, but I'll never forget that simultaneously gravelly and high-pitched, almost sing-songy voice that said, you girls look like you need a chaperone. I noticed he'd gotten much closer, close enough to smell, and he was rancid. It was a combination of piss and rotting meat. Could I help you girls out? He reached to grab us, and I did the only thing I knew to do. I punched him in the face and screamed out for help, and Lacey joined in shortly after. I hit him hard enough to knock the mask from his face, but when he turned back to us, his face hadn't changed. I saw the mask hit the ground, but his face, it, it was just the same as it was when the mask was on. Lacey and I floored it back to our house, yelling and screaming the whole way. We made it back in one piece, and while our parents were upset about us betraying their trust, they were more worried about the man who tried to snatch us up. They didn't believe us when we told them that it wasn't a man, but rather something pretending to be one, of course, but they took our claim seriously enough to call the police and convince them to search the area. The police shut down trick-or-treating for the night, and while they ran a sweep of the road we walked and the two neighborhoods connected to it, they came up empty except for one thing. The man's mask was found in the middle of the road, in the same position it was when it hit the ground. I don't know what Lacey and I encountered that night, but it wasn't a man or even a human. We never went trick-or-treating after that, even though our parents told us they'd go out with us. Even now, all these years later, Lacey and I refuse to dress up or go outside after 7 on the 31st. Because while it's fun to dress up as something scary, sometimes it's what's under the mask that is truly terrifying. Two quick trigger warnings for this following story. There is mention of animal abuse as well as child abuse. You know that one kid that everyone thinks is weird? The ones who are bullied for being different. Strange. Well, for my freshman class, that kid was Timmy. It was no secret that Timmy was a bit of a strange kid, but it was also an open secret that his home life wasn't the greatest. Of course, I'm not using that to justify what he went on to do, but I still feel like it's important to mention. Timmy's dad was an alcoholic, and his mom, while she tried her best to be there for him, was dealing with her own issues. It had a big effect on Timmy. He was constantly sleeping in class, had outbursts of anger at teachers and students. He was even suspended for a week at home for trying to break a kid's arm. I, being somewhat of an outcast myself with a rough home life, thought I could befriend Timmy and help him out. 
get him through freshman year at least. So I did. I sat next to him at lunch one late October day and just started talking. He didn't talk back at first. As a matter of fact, he didn't talk to me for the first three days of this. It wasn't until the 23rd of October, a week before Halloween, he decided to speak up. It was when I brought up the Halloween costume contest our school was holding for the freshmen. A lot of us believed we were too old to go beg for candy from strangers, but the contest was a huge interest for a lot of us. If we showed up, we'd get a small piece of orange paper with a smiling pumpkin on it that worked as a homework pass. That was a good enough reason for many of us to go, but if you participated in the costume contest and won, you'd get extra credit in any one of your four classes or electives. You know, I don't need the extra credit, but I think dressing up is still a lot of fun, you know? Timmy looked up from his food. This was the first time he made full eye contact with me, or anyone as far as I knew. I took the chance to further the conversation. Do you have any plans to try it out? He stared back down at his plate and murmured. I had a costume in mind, yeah. It's, 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 it's one I've been planning for a while. He was soft-spoken. I remember that vividly. I even thought for a while he was a genuinely sweet kid, but he managed to soil that idea. I actually have a sketch of it if you want to see. He was reaching for his backpack before I could even say yes or no. Sliding over a crumpled piece of paper to me, he said, Tell me what you think. I smoothed out the paper to see very detailed sketches of a cross between a werewolf and a farmer. Think of it like Wolfman, but with overalls on. The sketch was incredible. Timmy was really talented, and I made sure to let him know I thought that. He just sheepishly thanked me and took the paper back. You think it'll win? I've always wanted to win something. I gave a genuine smile and told him that he had one hell of a chance. No one at school saw Timmy again until the night of the costume contest. I was nervous that something had happened between him and his dad, but that worry was set aside when I showed up to school on the 31st, ready to try and win the first prize. I was going as Frankenstein's monster. My dad was nice enough to sacrifice one of his old suits so I could cover it in dirt and tear the ends to shreds to show that I'd been shambling through the woods for a few days. That, paired with an ungodly amount of green face paint, was my costume. Once I saw the other kids' costumes, I knew I didn't stand a chance. All of us, students, faculty, and parents, shuffled into the auditorium where the contest would take place. It was painfully long, and a lot of us were stuck backstage waiting to be called out to show off our costumes. After what felt like hours, the last kid went up, Sarah, who was dressed as Wednesday Adams. She was a shoe-in for first place, given she was already pale and had jet black hair. Once we'd all gone up, we were sent back behind the stage to wait for the results. Principal Vernon started to read off his card. Parents, guardians, you should all be so proud of these young students. They truly showed off their creativity tonight and the auditorium door busted open, causing the whole room to shift their focus to the back. It was dark, since Principal Vernon had the spotlight on him. Through the shadowed walkway, we could hear someone breathing heavily and slowly making their way to the stage. Before any of us knew what was happening, Timmy climbed onto the stage, pushed the principal to the side, and started howling like a wolf through his mask. He'd managed to finish his costume, and it looked a little too good. Some of the teachers and correctional officer stormed at the stage, taking Timmy to the ground. The rest tried their best to escort everyone out of the school. While I was being ushered, I'd heard a few of the adults vomiting and screaming. Timmy wasn't seen after that night. The kids started nasty rumors about him, saying that he'd always been a werewolf and is now living in the forests near school or that he had a psychotic break. And while that second one has some bearing in truth, the actual story is so much worse. Timmy killed 
his parents that night. After that, he went to the backyard and killed their dog as well. A large bloodhound. He then walked three miles to the school just to make his grand entrance. I didn't find out until many, many years later through some shitty true crime doc about Timmy's story that the reason his costume looked so real was because... I'm sure you can connect the dots. What actually happened to Timmy is that he was tried as an adult, ruled mentally well during the murder, and last I heard, still in prison. I don't really know how to end this story. I suppose a lesson about being careful who you befriend would suffice, but even that feels empty. I guess I'll just say this. Please, be safe this Halloween. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed tonight's stories. If you did, let me know which one you liked the most in the comments section below. If you were able to stick around for that final story, thanks. If not, don't feel bad. I know the things in that story are really hard to listen to for some people, and that's totally fine. Um, I do want to give a quick thank you to everyone you see on screen right now. These are our $5 patrons and members keeping the channel running and going here lately, and I really, really appreciate the continued support. If you're interested in supporting yourself and getting your name on the screen at the end of each video, a $5 membership over here on YouTube or a $5 pledge over on Patreon will get you that. A $1 pledge on either of those platforms will also get you videos a day in advance. If that sounds like something you're interested in, the links for both will be down in the description below. Um, as for the question tonight, really simple one. I know it's really early October, but I'm just curious. What are your plans for Halloween? What are your plans for October? When does spooky season start for you? I start getting that feeling when September is starting to come to an end and it starts to cool off a little bit and the leaves start changing and things like that. There's a lot to look forward to in October, I think. Not only do we have Halloween, but my birthday is also on the 14th. So hopefully I'll do something special for that. Let me know your thoughts in the comment section below. Maybe we'll do a live stream or maybe just a special video. I don't know. Let me know what you want to do for my birthday down in the comment section below. And let me know what you have planned for this Halloween season. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. And thank you to all the patrons and members for the continued support. Hope you all have a wonderful night. Take care of yourselves and everyone around you. Good night, everyone. <laughs>